Today on the show, we're talking about goal setting. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor and Mike. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. As we dive into goal setting in time for 2018. Okay, so so today uh, we're going to do goal setting, right? Yeah, yes. Trevor, did you... Uh, <laughs> Did you tell Courtney about um, the story we of us talking about the the title for the podcast? No, no, I didn't. no I didn't. The, so so um, Trevor was saying like we were talking about the which we called the episode. Well, well no, to start with, Cor- Courtney Courtney said let's do one on New Year's resolutions. So th- okay, that was okay. the beginning. So then Trevor said he was like, "Which we call the episode? I don't want to call it New Year's resolutions because I, I don't like that word." And I was like, what are you talking about? Is it like a taboo word? Is it like uh, dropping an F-bomb? Like, or, or <laughs> is it like, go New Year's resolution yourself? Like, so, <laughs> so, so, so we, we decided that every time we use the word New Year's resolutions, it would be like a, a an offensive we'll beep it out. We'll beep it somebody. Out. Yeah. All right, Ash. So I, I do like the article though, because there's, there's enough things in there I disagree with that it's worth talking about. Definitely. And yeah, I was going to say, I, I, f- I didn't like how it started. I feel like that, uh, it, it wasn't, I don't know. It seemed like the wrong kind of goals to be setting. Cause it's everything I don't believe yeah, it in. Will, Cause it said yeah. like, get out of your credit card debt, but you shouldn't have credit card debt like to begin with. But I think it's okay if you have, well, yeah, people, if you start off with it because I think, I mean, everyone has to start off somewhere and work somewhere else. Yeah. Everyone's starting point is going to be different, right? So some people are working with credit card debt and, and they're listening to this podcast because they want to get out of True. it. True. But then I think you need to look at the the underlying reasons to why you have that credit card debt. Like like you need to say that like okay like fix your credit card debt. But then what's causing that? Like you need to to answer that question because then you're just going to be right back to square one. And then technically your your goal is failed because you're going to get back into debt. No, that's a that's a good point. No, Mike. I agree with that. And so, and so here's I'm gonna this was the drop the mic comment I was gonna make. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where you drop yeah. the mic because I just <laughs> I silenced the room with some amazing comment. And the podcast here. So, so number ten on this one was uh, read financial uh, read a, a financial book each month. And I was going to say no to that. Wait, because really? To what you said, Mike. I was going to say you need to you need yeah you need to read behavioral books, uh, books that will change your behavior, inspirational books, books that are going to make you change something in your life, not your money, because because. If you if you improve something in your life, it actually it will translate into better financial decisions. So if you read a book on developing good habits, rather than a book on investing, you know, because there's so many people who who invest, uh, uh, you know, are great at investing, but they're horrible. They they spend more than they earn, so so they're just spinning their wheels. So I, my suggestion was no, don't read financial books. Read lifestyle. No, it's yeah, so true. I, I agree. You kind of need to get to the root of it. Wait, wait, wait. I just dropped the mic. Oh. Hold on. I just dropped oh. the mic. I'm expecting silence <laughs> okay. right now. Okay, oh. wait. Mike, we'll give it to you. <laughs> cricket, cricket. <laughs> I was going to say, I agree with that. Like, you look at it like if you were saying, I want to save money on eating and you were always eating out, well, don't just try to like, like I don't know, go out and make a like higher paying job. Fix the original problem and maybe start buying more food and making more meals. So like change your lifestyle, not your uh, like your finances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's always habits, right? That that are the problem. It, in my my experience has been, it's always been a a lifestyle habit that's that's caused me financial problems. And 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 really, like we could rename this whole podcast and call it uh, simple behavioral solutions because that's really what is at the core of it. And I think that's I think it's often overlooked. Um, before we get any farther, let's uh, let's let our listeners in on what article we've been talking about today. So we are talking about 10 financial resolutions for the new year. It's by Joshua Kennan. It is from thebalance.com. Trevor, I think we've talked to, referred to an article from this website before. Awesome content. It'll be in the show notes. And uh, maybe we'll give this episode an actual uh, introduction too. So for anyone just joining us, this is Simple Money Solutions. Uh, my name is Courtney. I'm joined with Mike and Trevor. And this is our first episode back after the new year. We hope everyone had a really good new year. and didn't, didn't spend too much money. And I guess that's why we're doing this episode today is because the new New Year's and, and just kind of the holiday season leading into now, it's kind of this money consumption period. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, th- this is a time when people kind of want to reset the clock, right? And they want to reset their lives. And it, 
I think this is the worst time of year to do it because you're you're going to be surrounded by people who are artificially motivated to, to make improvements in their life, and they're, they're going to start something that's unsustainable, something they just cannot continue for like 12 months that you know they might start some exercise program that which will last you know three months tops and then when those people stop you're going to be motivated to stop as well right because you're going to say well this this must be unrealistic everybody else is quitting so if you're going to reset the clock you know what the best time to do it is i'm going to say on your birthday because that's a significant time especially it's when you got when you're older you got one year left of life left to live why not make the most of what you've got so I would urge everyone to don't make a New Year's resolution, make a birthday resolution. I want to go back to that that article because there was one part I did like, but the way they presented it, I wasn't a, a fan of, was uh, the whole like savings what, uh, what, and stuff, which I, I think that? that's important. But uh, it, I don't know, it was, it was item number four or five, I think. It was uh, retirement savings and just, I think they had like general savings or whatever. I yeah. thought that was good. Oh, enroll in automatic savings. Yeah, yeah, plan. that one, that one. I, I thought those two were like, those, those are good. Like, I, I think... And you don't need to, ha- like, I mean, you can have, like, a number, and like, for retirement age or whatever, but I think that's just good to say you want to save and stuff. But that, I don't know if it should just be, a, like, it should be a long-term, I guess, yeah, I don't know, it should just be a goal. Like, that's good. So, I, I want to kind of, I want to go back to kind of the idea of resolution. So, I mean, so, I do, I, it sounds like you guys obviously don't agree with the idea of setting a New Year's, New Year's resolution, but have you ever, and, and have they, has it ever worked, or what, what's been your experience? It's never worked for me ever, and I've done it. I've, I've tried it, and it never. Uh, you know, if you think of New Year's, it's it's like the days are really short, so it it gets dark early. It's a depressing time of year. It's 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 just for me. It's a struggle to get up and go to work every day. Forget add something else to my list. I, I find this is a the, the darkest, most depressing time. I hate to sound depressing, but it, it is a dark. It's cold. It's you know, it's hard to get motivated just to do life, you know right? So why would you want to add on a whole bunch of other the stuff? The weirdest thing about New Year's resolutions is they're the most public goals that you set. Like throughout the rest of the year, like I, I got other goals I set during the year, you know? Like it might be I only hit the snooze button three times instead of five times. <laughs> or like I should make like that, like that But, but you know what? I'm not going to go tell the world I'm doing that, that goal. But then why is it New Year's resolutions that we always fail on? Like it's like... like no, y- you need to tell the world you're doing it because that that helps create the accountability. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying with New Year's resolutions. No one's ever like we we tell the world like uh, like when we're counting down the clock to the new year. Everyone's saying, "What's your New Year's resolution?" Everyone's like, "Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." And yet we never stick to them. But like those are the ones where everyone's technically the most accountable. So what's going wrong there? It's because we, as everyone you know, quits their unsustainable resolution, you all of a sudden don't feel bad joining the group of quitters that's it's what almost, i think it so we're, almost we're just a world of quitters <laughs> but it's, it's almost <laughs> there's a bigger problem here <laughs> you know here's here's a, a thing i did so in the spring i said i was going to ride my bike to work every day i told my coworkers that okay <laughs> and this is a good story i told my coworkers, i'm gonna qu- i'm gonna ride my bike to work every day this summer so <laughs> one of those coworkers quit so i lost that accountability uh, the other one went off on it a six week, which was in essence the whole summer medical leave. <laughs> so my two accountability people were gone. Guess what? I never rode my bike to work once. Wow, so convenient. Yeah, like, and I, I, I told them that, and I even said, "I'm telling you this because I know you guys will will ridicule me and harass me to no end every day. I don't ride my bike to work, and those people weren't there. I, I, I counted on them, and and it didn't happen. But did, did, so when you made that goal, did you feel less pressure to, to, I mean, you did tell people, but I think there's this kind of stigma attached to the goals that you do make on for January 1st. There's this kind of, it's expected of you, but they're probably not wholehearted, passionate goals. I think if you make a news resolution, you actually, there is a, a small clause at the bottom of that contract that says you can get out of this by spring. Or when everyone else does. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Before spring, you can get out of this. It's it, it's a it's in so the contract. So I, I think I think from that we can draw that true goals that we set have to be from deep within. Something we passionately want, something that we wholeheartedly want, something we're doing for us because of us. And I, I think if you the a lot of these goals in this article they're the results, right? So you set a a goal to save a certain amount of money, say, but. 
but you your 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 resolution or your goal should be the behavior that's going to create that goal not the goal itself because if you don't get the goal you're going to be disappointed and you won't know why but if if you figured out what behavior you could change to achieve that goal that is your goal the behavior change drop the mic (laughs) cricket 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 no, no, Trevor, that's, it's, it's a great point. And I think that is because, again, like you like with that mind mindset, it's it's easy to say to yourself, oh, I I, I want to get rid of my credit card de- debt. Oh, I want to lose weight. I want to start going to the gym. But you can't just tell yourself that because it, you, there's so much behind the scenes behaviorally that you have to implement in order to make that goal um, a reality. Like this, so this isn't a money one, but yours one about going to the gym. Going to the gym, if you just add that to your life, I'm going to go to the gym, you know, you're going to have to shoehorn that into an already full life, right? A full busy schedule. And, and it, that is the unsustainable part. So, or save money. You're going you're gonna to try to shoehorn one other demand on your income that's already completely consumed. You're going to say, so it's going to the gym. You need to change something. You need to take something out of your life and plug that in, you know, or to, to, to save money. You, you can't just start saving money. You need to remove an expense and replace it with savings. Like that's the only way you get there. Like go ahead and read off this, these 10 items, Courtney, just, just so our listeners can, can hear them. And, and they all have the same tone. They're all gold. Yeah. So, they're, they're, so the, so the first one here is know what you want. So, um, no, I'll read, read all 10. Read okay, all then we'll 10. go back. So yeah, so first, yeah. number one is know what you want. Number two is prioritize your debts. Number three is open an individual retirement account, our IRA. Number four is enroll in automatic savings plans, an ASP. Number five is close unnecessary accounts. Number six is make money doing what you love. Number seven, collect your change. Number eight, give money. Number nine, begin using personal finance software. And number 10 is read a financial book each month. So let's scroll back up to number... Actually, now that I, now that I hear you, now that I hear you read them, uh, actually, these are, um, these are actually somewhat behavioral, right? Or, or they're somewhat habits or... or I think the, they're, they're not. the article starts on the wrong foot. Like it, it talks about uh, credit card debt right away. And it's the simplest one to fix, but it, it's just the the wrong taste to your mouth. So then the rest of it's just kind of, it, it kind of gives the wrong taste to you for the rest of the article. But I agree with you. The rest Actually, of it's you know good. What? Like, Yeah. yeah. No, that, now that you, you said that, Mike, I, I think I got the same thing when I started well, reading yeah, that. Yeah. But I think, but, I think number one's good. But hearing somebody else say just the goals, I, I, I think that I... They're somewhat good. I do, but I do think number one is good. Know what you want. I think that is very important because it, it, it looks, again, at looking inward and realizing what is truly important to you. And I think I think that is where all goals should start. So, yeah, it, Joshua here says, have a clear, concise financial goal for the year. So, I mean, I feel like that, I, I guess that one sentence there is, said, is, is way easier said than done. Yeah, know what you want. I think it's kind of vague, though. I, I, I would hope somebody... you, are, you I guess you might know what you want, but unless you actually tell somebody or maybe write it down, you kind of lose track of it. So it's probably a good place to start knowing what you want, what you want out of life, what you want to do with your money. But like it, um, what you said, what you want in life, like I don't think you're going to know what you, like what kind of money you need if you don't know what you want to do in life. Like if, if you don't know that you want to save for a trip or you want to uh, like, you know, you're looking to buy like a, like a, a car or something like that, then you don't know what kind of financial goals you should be saving for. True. Yeah. If you, if it's just save money and, and you don't know why yeah, you're saving yeah. it, it's hard to stay motivated. So, so that's, so yeah, that's but, where people come up with that unconcise thing of like, I, I want to start saving money is like, I think you need to define your, your goals and, and, and a kind of a realistic amount too. I mean, if you're, if you're buying a car or if you're buying a home, those are two different amounts. So I, I, I think, I, I think that's it's important. true. Yeah. Don't don't just plan to uh, pay off like like don't just say oh I want to buy a car all in cash that's unrealistic like say okay I want to get the down payment I want to save up for that and I think it's good to be specific and, and have a number because the answer is always going to be more if you if you don't yeah. have enough enough is never enough yeah so number two here is prioritize your debts and Trevor you when when we talk about prioritizing your debts you always go about the snowball uh, snowball effect for this one. Yeah, there's the, the the two ways you can do it is a debt snowball and a debt, debt debt avalanche. And so the the debt avalanche is really 
you know, attacking the debt that has the highest interest rate. And the debt snowball is disregard the interest rate and attack the smallest debt first because you get the small wins. Every time you extinguish a debt, you're motivated to, to take on the next one, which is a little bit bigger. And then once you get rid of that one, you're motivated to do the next one, which is even bigger. And, and, and you see progress, you know, you see, you see yourself accomplishing something. So the debt sm- snowball is absolutely the, the best way to win because it's bad behavior that got you in debt. And, and this is going to, you know, be reinforcing good behavior. So uh, like in, in general, because you brought b- both those uh, concepts forward, I definitely think, I mean, this article even says that, uh, quote, those with the highest interest rates, most likely your credit card debt should be paid off immediately. So the snowball, using the snowball um, approach is definitely counterintuitive to what we might think. Well, so you two haven't really experienced debt, right? I, I think it's pretty safe. I, I know you both and you don't have debt and you, you've never had the burden of having to pay back debt. But when you're in debt, when you have uh, debts for, you know, on top of debts, you kind of, a little bit more debt doesn't matter. So you, you're you're so motivated to not get out of debt. Like there, there's the motivation is so low that you need a behavioral change. You need a you need something that's gonna make you feel good about you know saving your money and rather than than spending it. So it's the debt snowball is it's paramount. Is it's it's really if you have a debt problem, it's the only way you're gonna correct the behavior. So again, you use the word behavior there. And so what do you say then thinking, of, would you say that's the only way to really kind of get to the bottom of maybe why you have debt in that capacity? Well, nobody gets in debt because they don't understand the math, right? No, Nobody, you know, everybody under, mathematically understands that, you know, at some point they, they know they're spending more money than they're earning. The, the math is easy. It, it's what's motivating you to make those decisions. That's the problem. So number three is open a retirement savings account. Yeah, so th- this is a good idea. Uh, obviously, saving for retirement is always a good idea. But once you put money into one of these uh, tax-sheltered accounts, it's it's really hard to get it out. You know, there's penalties and, and tax co- implications. So once your money's in there, it's kind of locked down. And you, to get it, you it's a very deliberate, drawn-out process. So it, it kind of handcuffs you in, in, in put your money there and you, you can't touch it. So it, that is the upside to a retirement account. The downside is if you put too much money in there and it turns out you need money uh, for something, a, a life event, you, it, it's really hard to access it. Trevor, I want this is a question for you because I mean, I feel like this is a question Mike and I and any other of our listeners who are age may wonder, but how do you, I mean, if we, t- if we go back to the gym thing. So if you're trying to fit the gym into your life and there's no kind of room for it, how do you start saving for retirement? If you've already kind of created this life for you, how, where, where do you grab that extra, uh, that money from to dedicate to saving for retirement? Well, let me spin it back to you guys. What, what would motivate you guys to think about retirement? Like uh, at your age, what, what? I think for me, like the, and I know we've talked about it, Trevor, uh, it was the, the whole idea of financial freedom versus uh, financial security. And I like the idea of financial freedom or fi- financial independence. So for me, that, that's what motivates me to want to set a little bit aside and uh, and make sure I have enough saved so that, you know, if something did happen, I, I can, I'm not going to right away be out of money, like like not live paycheck to paycheck. And like, so for me, it, it's that whole thing. Like, because right now retirement is so far away that uh, it's it's something I'm not as worried about, but it, it's uh, it's that just like right now, just having that fi- like more of a financial independence. That, that's what I want to push towards as a goal. So I agree yeah. with that. If it's pretty hard, it's I'm gonna say in your twenties, it's it's almost impossible to be motivated about the concept of retirement. But if you can be motivated about financial independence or financial freedom, you know, freedom to to pick and choose the jobs you want to work because you haven't got. Uh, uh, you know, you're not burdened down with a lot of a very high expensive lifestyle. You know, if that motivates you and then that can parlay into retirement savings, you know, you you could redefine it later in your life. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. yeah. Like, so for, like, I just started a a job recently and, um, uh, the, the company offers, um, they, they match 5% of what you, you, um, you put down like you talked about like retirement savings uh, plans. So I, it's yeah. free money. So I'm going to take that. And, but beyond that, I'm, I'm not going to worry about saving for retirement beyond that. And, and we'll see how much that saves. But yeah, like other than that, I'm just going to focus on like, just like 
saving for financial yeah, independence yeah. or financial yeah, freedom. Yeah, so looking like, I don't know, maybe like a year in advance instead of like, I don't know, 20 years in advance when retirement would come. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I think that's a great strategy because I, I know myself, I, it was when I was in my 20s and I was working and people were talking about retirement savings, I was thinking that is so far away. I, I, I could care less. But if you're saving for something. When did you start saving? Like, obviously, I know you're you're approaching your retirement. When did you, you seriously start saying, like, I got to start putting money in the bank or I got to start investing in things so I have a retirement plan? Yeah, I can say when I was in my sort of 30s, I, I kind of started looking at the math saying, you know what, I could do early retirement because I, I live such a frugal lifestyle. I, I So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It was so... My, my lifestyle has is a very low cost lifestyle. I, I'm I, I looked at the math and I said, you know, I think I think we can do this sooner than sixty five. But up to that point, I was just saving money just for peace of mind, and that's kind of what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, exactly. But it, so prior to my mid thirties, early thirties, it was just about I just don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck. I I want to be, you know, I I guess. I, where I've worked, I've seen people walked out the door, terminated for, with I'll say no particular reason, just a downturn in business, and they were just left flat-footed and in a, a real bad place. So I, I didn't want to be that person. Yeah, you want to be able to say, "Fire me, just watch me, I'll be okay." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's really reassuring to kind of all our listeners, and even to Mike and I, that y- you kind of didn't start saving for retirement until you were in your thirties. I mean, I feel like it's it's easy to kind of push the panic up button. But that that's not complete. That's not completely true. I was saving just I in my mind it wasn't for retirement. I was living frugally and and, and keeping my lifestyle in check. And, and uh, uh, you know kind of like buying a house and paying a mortgage is kind of a form of saving money, right? You're building equity in a house. So I was doing little things like that to to build wealth. So I I was I was still working on building wealth but not with a retirement mindset. And because this is kind of our, we are focused on kind of the behavioral side of things today, as we always are, but especially because of the uh, the resolution side of, of this episode, it's almost, it, to your point, Trevor, you were, you were living a frugal life, frugal life. So setting money aside kind of made sense where as opposed to if you're kind of spending, if you're living outside of your means, if you're spending everything you earn, kind of all of a sudden like switching a flip to to start saving for saving for anything is going to be more challenging well you know in life you always want to have a a leave have a lever left to pull in the event of of a catastrophic event and so for for instance my wife was a stay-at-home mom raised three children and i i was able to support a family on, on my income and so clearly there was a lever there to pull my wife could and did go out to work you know, so I wasn't maxed out. I wasn't living, you know, my lifestyle wasn't consuming all the financial resources my family could amass, right? So my wife, when she went into work, it was like money falling from the sky, you know, two incomes. It was just mind boggling. So if you can manage your lifestyle more than man, rather than trying to manage your income, you'll, you'll be, life will be a lot less stressful and, and it'll just tends to, things tend to work out. No, exactly. And mic drop, <laughs> cricket, cricket. But but Trevor, to your point though, like it, it is hard to ramp down your lifestyle. So because you were already living a frugal life, you didn't have to really ramp down to to kind of continue saving for financial independence because you already were saving for something. So I. I still have levers left to pull. So my wife went out to work. So we obviously we have more income than we did in the past. But now I have this fairly large home that I, I don't need anymore. Like I have all this space. So I'm looking at selling my house. Another financial lever I'm going to pull. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's it's it's a great. And did and did you plan it that way? You did or was that just kind of act? Did did it just work out that way? Well, I. I, 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 was, I hoped I was going to be an empty nester at some point. So <laughs> I guess it was in the plan at, at some point. I, I, I was hoping my kids wouldn't live with me till they're 30. But, but, your, but your so, wife going out to get a job, I guess that was just the nature of how oh, your, your and your wife's life kind of transpired. Yeah, I kind of always figured she was going to go out to work. But, you know, just say we fell on hard times. Well, we say I lost my job. Well, we still had a young family at home and I couldn't find work. My wife's 
she's has quite marketable skills. So she knew she could always go out and get a job as well. So it, I guess you always want to, it helps me sleep at night knowing I've got levers. to Oh, pull. for sure. Let's, uh, let's move on to number four. Number four is enroll in automatic savings plans. Yeah. See, I disagree with this. Kind of like what you were saying, Mike. I, you can't just save money just for the sake of saving yeah, money. Yeah, I was going to say this even ties into um, retirement. Like like for me, I'm saving money and it's not retirement. It's just like, you know, like when, with that that pension plan where the my company's matching 5%, it's, it's just automatic savings. You know, I think it's kind of the same thing where I'm just trying to have a backup plan. And Yeah, but just the, staying motivated to save money for the sake of saving – some people can do yeah. it, right? Like some people are natural savers, and it's not it's it's not yeah. effort. But for for other people, I I think it's it's unrealistic. Yeah. Just like you said, you're looking to to have an extra lever to pull and not to get cornered in a wall, like or cornered. Yeah. yeah. And and if if some sometimes having a savings account it helps people sleep at night, knowing they got this extra money. And for those people, saving for the sake of saving, you're actually saving. For, for peace of mind, right? So you are saving for something, even if even if the money's not earmarked for a particular purchase. If that's what it's for, it's it's worth like, having. So you've actually bought. We were something. talking about this, I think, the other day was uh, trying to the like the goal of um, uh, spending money that's thirty days old. So like like I I would say that's a, something you put a number around. Like like I you'd be able to say like if I spend a thousand dollars a month then try to save $1,000 so then you're always $1,000 ahead of where you're... So you have a month's worth of money to there. Yeah, so yeah. So the concept you're, you're talking about is you should always you should never spend money that's not at least 30 days old, meaning you, you've earned this money at least 30 days ago. Yeah, yes. So you don't want to you don't want to be spending money you earned a week yeah, ago so or two weeks if ago. If you were to make a savings goal I, I would say that would be the best savings goal is, is like it's very like you can put a number around it and there's a reason behind it like like i want I, but in my mind that's you're buying peace of mind yeah, yeah, again, yeah. Right? So it, it goes back to that but like instead of just saying like you said uh what like instead of just putting money into a, like a automatic savings account have like that that's a good reason peace of mind so like it's another oh, yeah, yeah yeah like another way to have that peace of mind but another way to look yeah, at yeah. it is you're spending m- money that's at least 30 yeah. days old. And oh, and I guess as well, like we're, we're talking like at first we were talking big picture. Like we're talking like 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 the, to, to save that much money for one month. That I think that's pretty attainable for people if they're struggling to save money. Like like yeah yeah like give yourself like six months and if you try to save that you, you might you, you're probably going to be able to get to that point. Yeah, you, you got to put a realistic time parameter around it as well. So let's move on to number five. Number five is close unnecessary accounts. So this one just goes into how banks and financial institutions can, Joshua says here, charge fees for everything under the sun. And this is this is true. Yeah, I, I, I don't really take care of the banking in my family, but sometimes people need uh, accounts just to keep their finances organized. So I, I would... You know, sometimes, you know, you have a checking account, maybe your 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 household expenses come out of it, and then you've got a savings account that, that's just sort of your personal savings. And then maybe you've got like a another savings account for a bigger long-term purchases. And then maybe you got one for what Mike's describing, which is your, your financial freedom. But at, at the same and time, though. If it helps. At the same time, though, I think it's, I think it's, it can be overwhelming if you have kind of money spread everywhere. And I think also this point emphasizes that it's important to reevaluate maybe every year what what accounts you need, where your money is going, and and to kind of consolidate when and if necessary. I don't know. I I, I like multiple accounts because you can kind of see it, right? It's it's visual. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with that. Like I, I lay, I, I have budgets like in Excel and stuff, and I lay them all out and. Uh, but like it, when when you go to like actually spending like to you it's just a big amount of money and sometimes it is nice to if you're marking money to be able to put it somewhere else i only have two bank accounts right now but i, I probably will open up another one in the future for that reason like yeah i'm a fan of multiple accounts i i don't know if i, I, I you can have too many of course and if it ends up costing you money to have these accounts then for sure close them but I don't know. I like I like to see my money earmarked for certain things and certain accounts. Number six is make money doing what you love, and I love that this point is kind of nestled within this other list of, of uh, nine other things. 
I completely disagree with this. Yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't the biggest fan really? of this one. Really? So, oh, so okay, so, so let me in on why not. Well, the, if, just say you, okay, Mike's into furniture making. So just say you make him furniture for fun, for a hobby. And now you're trying to make money, you know, selling your furniture. So obviously the more furniture you make, the more, the more money you can make. So all of a sudden you're trying to, you took something that, Maybe you really enjoy one aspect of, you know, a hand plane and, and planing wood, and and in order to make a decent money at it, you have to buy a power planer to to plane your wood faster and more efficiently. But the power planer is noisy and makes a lot of sawdust and wakes up the neighbors. All of a sudden, you've you've taken the part you liked of the hobby and turned it into something you don't like. Once you had deadlines, yeah, you start ruining the the whole experience. But yeah, and then you've got other so. Uh, you might have a hobby where you you maybe you knit uh, hats. I don't know. So, so you knit a, and that now people are are looking at your hat with a more critical. If you gave someone this hat, hey, I knit this hat. Do you want it? And, oh, I love this. You know, it's great. Thanks. If you sell it to somebody, they're looking at it with more critical eye, and they're they're being more judgmental, and, and and you may be critiquing your work and saying, well, there's a lot of flaws in this hat. You know, is it really worth the twenty dollars you're charging me? So, Trevor. I, I agree with you with the the hobbies and stuff, but like then I, I still think there you should find something like if you're gonna like if you're, obviously if you're gonna have a career like find something you like in a career. But I agree with the hobbies like um, like for yeah. you like so you can't, like like you you work in accounting and I I know talking to you you like the fundamentals of accounting and I know for me I I work uh, in engineering and I I like like engineering so like you still need to find something you like but don't take your hobbies and turn those into careers. Okay, yeah, you make a good point. And I, I, I guess if you could, I, I, if you could separate the concept of work, work and money. So, Mister Money Mustache has, has mentioned this in his blog. If you can separate the concept of work and money, so the, and and then just focus on the work you love, and, and this goes back to having the paid. levers to pull. Like, if you got the levers to pull, then you're you're less worried about keeping that job, and then you can you can focus on enjoying it more and doing what you feel is right with your job. True. Yeah, that that yeah. that is, uh, and, and and so if you're not if you're not so reliant on the income to survive, you can maybe you know, push back on some deadlines, you know, that are unrealistic, and say, you know what, that that's not realistic. You want it on on Wednesday, but I'm going to give it to you on Friday. Is that kind of what you're? Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, and then and just in general, like you know, like like if you're a, like saying I'm going to work today cuz I need to pay my rent like if if I don't go to work today then I don't have enough money to pay my rent like that is like a you know a real nervous thing whereas like that whole thing we said if you keep one month ahead well if if I lose that job or you know if if I can't make it in one day cuz I'm sick then you know what it's not the worst thing that I like you know I, I'm still going to be able to pay my rent you know, I'm still going to be okay and it makes it just takes that stress away a bit true you know if if you worked a job and it was, just say you didn't need the money at all. You just went to work because you were bored. I, I would imagine nothing, like nothing would stress you out. Would you, would you agree? Oh, 100%. That? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think, well, you talk about Mr. Money Mustache. I, I don't think there's a day that he's stressed out. The, the only thing he probably gets frustrated with is whatever he's doing, it, you know, it's not working the way he wants it to work. But that's not a, that's just the stress of what you're doing, not the stress of doing your job. Like, and you can always say tomorrow's another day. I'll give it another try. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah, you you like if you are getting frustrated by what you're doing, you might walk away from it, take a breather, and say I'll come back to it later. Whereas yeah, if, if you need to get that paycheck, you're like, well, I can't get fired over because this isn't working. I got to make it work, and you're you're gonna get more frustrated. So here's the thing I heard on another podcast, and I I apologize for not remembering the name of the podcast, but the the guy on the podcast said you should if if you're striving for financial independence and you have a number that's going to get you there. So you got a dollar figure that is your financial independence goal. He's saying you should stop short of that goal and, and quit your day job at that point to stay hungry and motivated to, to pursue your passion, which when I was listening to the podcast, I was, you know, clapping my hands thinking, this guy's awesome. You know, I agree with that hundred percent. But now that we're talking, saying this out loud, that person is still going to be attaching money to work, you know, and, and, but I, I wonder, maybe some people, they need that motivation. What do you think? I, I don't, I don't know. know. Cause like, to me, that sounds like a, enough is never enough. Like, even if you like, 
I would say like enough, uh, like never enough. Like like is is it keeps you hungry? Because like even if you reach that goal, I think you're still gonna still want like to keep going. I, I would assume. Like I I don't know. Like whenever. But what about the guy who sits in his basement and plays video games all day and only stops because he has to go to work to earn money to pay his rent? What about that guy? So now if if he there's no if there's no drive or need for money, is he ever gonna stop playing video games? Are we saying that he becomes um, at that point financially independent? Like he doesn't need to work another day in his life? No, 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 no. He's saying stop short of your financial independence number. So you you don't have all the money you need to be consider yourself financial independence. Meaning, all your bills aren't covered with your savings. I, I'm with you, Trevor. I think that that if you stop short, that next job that should be enjoyable will not be enjoyable because you will be stressing to reach that number. Needing money. Well, okay, yeah. so so let's go back to this guy, the the guy who video games and, and works. If yeah. he was, um, like, if he was working and he's he's just short of his savings goals, and we're saying that at that point he doesn't need, like, once he has that X amount of dollars, he never has to work a day in his life again. Is what we're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what if he was just short of that? I would say at that point he could start start making like enjoying like pursuing his interest or whatever, uh, like. Like I, I think at that point you like you know if you if you found an odd job here an odd job there or even if say you turned your your interest into finance goals I think you wouldn't associate it that much because you still have that extra levers behind you to pull like it's not like that job is gonna gonna follow you. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm conflicted, I guess, between the two philosophies. Is all I'm saying. So um, you're saying that. If, if that video game player did stop short of his goal, he he like you're, you're so you're saying he should. Wait, I want to I, 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 I want to so. throw think, something in here. What if you adjust your financial goal to meet the income? That I think that's why people pursue their passions and why they're maybe happy pursuing their passions. Maybe they make less than they would at another job, but they are willing to adjust their income but, to meet the, but at to the, meet the, the lifestyle that delivers. But at the end of the day, you're still going to need a, a financial goal. Like you're, you're still going to have a number you have to reach. It might be lower, but you're still going to have a number. I guess I'm wrestling with this because I'm actually entertaining the idea myself. Yeah. So yeah. Right? So Trevor, I, you're near I, retirement. I, yeah. What are, are you? So this is you just kind of talking about it so, out loud. Yeah, I am because my goal. I'm going to hit my financial goal. I'm estimated to in three years from now, and I'll, co- I'll coincidentally be 55. Not coincidentally, by plan. And I'm thinking, do I stop short of my target to stay hungry, to stay motivated, to, to make sure I, I, I'm seeking out, you know, profitable money-making opportunities? You know, is that, is that so wrong? I, do you, I don't know. Do you think you'll stay motivated to, contrib- to continue earning money and contributing to society at, after age 55? Or do you think you'll just kind of sit down and stop? Well, Full stop retirement is basically signing up for an early death, in my opinion. You know, if I if I reach my financial independence goal at fifty five and I stop working, and and I just sit around and grow old, I think I'll grow old in a hurry and I'll age dramatically. I mean, I've read enough books and, and articles that the people that stop, you know, engaging with society, they 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 die a, a quick death. So. It, I'm I'm saying maybe I need to stop short of my goal and and that will motivate me to stay engaged with society. But maybe I could pick something maybe a little less stressful, a little more enjoyable, earn a little less. So money. if say say you were to stop short of your goal, like a like one year short. Like so if you took all the money I think in three years no, so no I'm talking one year short is close okay, enough. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, so instead of working Let's three, say three years, years short. Like you, you stop one year. Are you talking Okay, I'm talking talking three years short. Three years of my short. Goal. So okay, so if you stopped like three years short of your goal, and say all the money you've saved up, you you spread it over a timeline. Like you say, I'm gonna need this amount of money this year, this amount of money the next year, and then so then at the end of that, you're gonna have a couple of years that are blank because you stopped three years short of your goal. So then if you kept working, all you're you're adding to that end there, and then like you're you're so far ahead, right? That you're you'd say, okay, I'm not gonna make like there's still gonna be empty years where there's no money to like there that you could like Courtney said maybe reassess your your um your your light um your habits or whatever like your uh your lifestyle. But the, the but the problem is is you're gonna run out of the out of money when you're too old to go out and earn a living. But then you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe like like if you keep busy. 
like now like if like you're still going to keep earning income so like but will i be motivated to go out and work if i don't actually need the money but, but maybe that means you, know, you it, keep working until age 65 but at something you really really enjoy Maybe that exactly. means you work longer. That's what I'm thinking. And it won't yeah, yeah, feel yeah. like work. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's so that's where my mind is at. Do I do I stop short of you know, three years short of my goal and find something that I, I just I can't wait to do it every day. I might make a lot less money, but I'll, I'll do it till I'm sixty five because I just love it, right? It's it's so well, enjoyable. It, I don't know what that something is. I, I agree with that. I agree yeah, with yeah. that wholeheartedly. I mean why why slug it out for three more years uh, for something that maybe you don't enjoy as much as something else you could enjoy a lot more for and you could do that even longer so, so then yeah going back that, to that kind of, are you planning if, if say you work in the next three years and you're tired at 55 are you planning on on um are you planning on still working like making an income after that well i mean i mean you know, in my plan, in my mind, I'm still going to engage with society and be a, a contributor to my community. But in but what doing you know, that, I might earn money, I might not. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, will I be motivated to do that? You know, if if that thing I choose to do, whether it's volunteer or get paid, if I re, if I in confront it with a challenge in that activity, you know, something that's you know I don't like, so it's it's hard. Will I be motivated to push through? and continue you know to get the benefits of that or will i just say you know what this isn't worth it i i, I quit because i don't need the money do you know what well, i mean i think it, it comes back to stress because like if it was a challenge it was some, if it's something you're just like trying to make yourself better like kind of a challenge almost like our goals we were talking about then i think you you'd probably push through but like if it's like unnecessary stress like you have in your current job you you might just like yeah you would give up on that because you are financially independent you're gonna say screw that but what you know i don't you, you don't want to go through your life and be a quitter and just every time you're confronted with a challenge you well, quit and then no, no, every time you you quit that confronted challenge it becomes easier to quit the next think, one and the next i think one. there's a difference between a, a challenge or a goal and and just like stupid stress and like the stupid stress is just like unrealistic deadlines and and an unrealistic workload to me that that's like that, that's just stupid stress like it's just like a corporation just trying to make extra money whereas whereas this challenge is like i you know like I, I don't know whatever goal is like what we're talking like today like like it's it's different like i think that's different like i see where you're coming yeah, from yeah. I, 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 there is a difference for sure so I, I think and i think those those challenges that you encounter at maybe a lower stress, easier, more enjoyable job will be worth it. They'll be rewarding when you work through those challenges. But you know what? But you know what? I, I think that it becomes relative, right? So whatever I see as stressful now, if I take on a, relatively speaking, a less stressful job and my ability to deal with stress reduces, then when I confront a challenge, I'll be stressed just as much, but at a, you know what I mean? I'll perceive it as the same level of stress. So then, because my conditioning, my conditioning will have come down so, so much. Then switching back to where you retire and you don't have, you haven't reached your savings goals, and but you're still working. So where with that, you'd still put up with a little bit of stress and a little bit of that, like that stuff, because you still need to make money is what you're saying. Like, yeah, yes, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's a conundrum, right? There's there's no right answer to this. It's just something I, I I've been wrestling with, you know. What what should I do? Sometimes a change is just good for change, right? I've been sort of been doing the same thing for about I don't know thirty years, and and, and maybe I'm looking for a fresh start at something. And to new. our listeners, if if you if you're facing the same situation or, or, or approaching retirement or, or having advice for Trevor on this, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear what you guys think about this. And uh, yeah, maybe you know, really and, like yeah, provide an answer for Trevor's uh, predicament. Why not we uh, just so the listeners know for sure, like they don't have to rewind. Let's repeat the kind of the question or whatever, just so it's out there for them. Yeah. So in a nutshell, it's you know, do you if you have a financial independence goal, a number, do you stop short of that goal? Say three years short of that goal to stay hungry and motivated to earn money and get out in society and be productive with the in not doing that if you work to your you know 3 years to your financial minute goal you retire early and you don't go engage with the community and and you age quickly because you're 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 doing nothing productive. you're actually you know, being in retirement the, 
yeah, though full stop retirement versus semi or, or somewhat retired, you know, part-time work or something where you need the money, you, you need to stay motivated. And I use the, uh, not that I'm bashing video game players, but I, I know people that will sit in their basement and play video games for, you know, eight to 10 hours and, and never see the light of day. If that person reached financial independence, although I don't know how you could do that, that addicted to video games, but you say you could, um, you know, would they just spend the rest of their dying days in their basement playing video games and not engage with society? You know, that's that's the risk. Number seven, to continue our discussion with the article um, by Joshua Kennan, 10 Financial Resolutions for the New Year. Number seven is collect your change. And this one is literally what it sounds like um, when you pay with cash. Literally, you save your change up because it's easy to kind of lose track of the change that you the change that you get from when you spend like a $5 or $20 bill. You know, I can't remember, you know, every time I spend cash and it's so rare when I spend cash, I'm literally, I, I, I break into a panic, you know, cause I forgot how to camp change. <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting the right change back. And the person I'm, I'm the, the, the person cashing me out, you can tell they haven't dealt with cash in forever either. So it is such a foreign concept. I mean, this is completely useless. Old ca- when was the last time you made a cash transaction? I, I don't even have cash in my wallet. <laughs> cricket, cricket. That, that's the thing. Neither do I. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. the other thing they focused on with this is the whole idea of understanding, getting the real sense of what money is with your, um, uh, like by actually having the money in your uh, your hands. But like, I, I got to be worried with that, people. That's an like, old skill that's not worth learning. It, it, like if, if, you're, if you're a kid, I'm okay with the idea of you, you know, like, having money out there like doing that like I, I when i was a kid my, my my parents they gave us little bins and we'd put money in each thing so we got to see like how a budget worked i'm budgeting this much to go out to the movies i'm budgeting this much for like uh to buy a toy or whatever so great but like if you're buying cars and stuff and, you, and you're you're being an adult if you don't have like like real real, what money real is life already, cars. like we need to yeah we need to reevaluate like there's, there's bigger problems here then like no, no. I think today's kids, they need to know how to manage virtual money because in their world, exactly. they're not going to spend cash. It's not going to exist. They're going to be using Apple Pay for everything. So they need to comprehend, you know, balances in accounts and, and, and virtually paying for things and an appreciation for how to do that in the cause and effect. I don't think managing cash that, yeah. that, that's a that skill is on its way so uh, trevor first off i love how you snuck the word apple into your sentence it was really nicely done <laughs> every chance <laughs> second, i second i i agree with you and i think trying to trying to uh, trying to fit kind of the mold of past generations i mean we have to we have to it's a it's an evolutionary society we are we're tra- we're going all digital digital and virtual and we have to keep up with that I had a a lady at work who was sort of um, bashing a, a cashier at a grocery store who who was struggling to count out her change. She paid for something in cash. And she said, can you believe these kids don't even understand how to handle money? And I said, well, why would they? That, that is, that's like saying they don't know how to use a VCR. It's like, why right? would they? Why, w- why, why would they, right? It, they, you don't need to know that anymore. That That is a skill that is, is they've already discontinued the penny. The next thing is the nickel. Like it is a, it's, it's gone. It's a lost skill. And I'm, I'm glad I don't work at the Canadian Mint because those people will be out of work soon. <laughs> Their jobs will not be replaced for robots. They will be non-existent. Um, number eight now is give money. And at this point is in here because it, Joshua, the, the author of this article, says that it'll it'll kind of bring you a realization of the value of money by when you give it to someone else. Yeah, I, I think being charitable is... Generally, anytime I've been charitable, I feel so good about it, you know, and, and I, actually I was just, you know, we're in this deep freeze in Ontario right now and it is, I'm talking minus thirties wind chill and the, on the news, you see all these homeless people who, who are, you know, looking for shelters to get out of the cold. And I, 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 my, my heart just goes out to these people. I, I'm sure they didn't end up there because they wanted to be on the street. I'm sure there's a, a set of unfortunate events that led to them living on the street. Uh, and, and I, I just, I, I, in fact, in the small town I live in, I know there's some homeless people in it. I thought what was for me. really interesting about the whole thing was, uh, and to your point is like, uh, the, like it, it said in the article, it gives you a sense of, um, the, like the, appreciation of the value of money or whatever so they said by giving small donations and stuff it, it real you re- start to realize how much like a little can go like a little can go a long way kind of thing uh which i thought was interesting well, it, it, 
and to your point, like a lot of us live pretty high, like a lot of us, a lot of Canadians live pretty high end lifestyles, which require a lot of money. So, I mean, if, if you're paying $250 a month for your, your cable TV bill, uh, you might think five bucks to this homeless person is not going to mean much, but for them, that's like, that, that could mean, you know, a, a couple of days of food. Yeah, which helps kind of reevaluate your life. Like we go back to our lifestyles that, that you realize that, okay, does that $200 cable package actually make sense? Like, yeah, that exactly. Yeah. True. Are, are you really, you know, getting a lot of life in, in general, spending $200 on yeah. cable? I, Enjoy the simple things. I, I could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to move on to number nine, and I want both your take on this one. And this is begin using personal finance software. So I have an opinion about this, but I want to hear both of yours. In my house, my wife is the bookkeeper, and she does use uh, software, and uh, she just absolutely loves it. And I have access to it, and I, I review it periodically just to see how things are going. Not that I'm keeping tabs on her. I just I, I like Mr. to just financial know, analyst. You know, that, that I'm not overspending uh, on things that you know I control, so I I, I do look at it, and I, I think everybody should have a tool to manage their personal finances. If you don't know what you're spending your money on, you got no chance of getting ahead. So I uh, do uh, manage my personal finance. I use this app. Uh, it's called um, Home Budget. I think that's what it's called. Let me just check here. Home Budget. Yes, uh, it's on. Uh, it's a great app, and what it does is it, it keeps track of all your expenses and whatnot. And yeah, I, I know exactly how much I'm spending each month and I can budget and make sure it's going to, uh, it's going to make sense. Like, um, like, like, like it gives me a heads up if I'm overspending and that's a, it's a good way to keep it. So you're not going into debt. And I'm not going to miss an opportunity to talk about budgets cause I, I, you know how I am about those. And if you're not, so if you're not using some sort of software to manage your personal finances and, and you don't know where your money's going currently, if you have any goals, and that's what this episode is about, you have no hope of achieving any financial goals if you don't currently know where your money is going. And I think like, uh, I know like a really good example is like with eating out, like I, I always pack a lunch. Like I'm a big fan and big promoter of packing lunches. And I think about people who don't keep track of their finances, like that, those lunches, they add up in a hurry. Like if you start adding up like the cost, like if you're not keeping track of that, like it costs... 10 15 dollars a day like that adds up in a hurry like five times five days a week times that by you know like 30 20 days in a month or whatever starts adding up in a hurry so and and that's what this this software exposes those accumulations of those little expenses that's the beauty exactly because yeah you think oh five bucks here ten bucks here what does that matter but it does add up in a big hurry and if you don't have a software accumulating those figures then all you'll ever see is the five dollars you'll never see the 50 that it added up to in a particular month or the the $1,200 that added up into the whole year, you'll only ever see the five bucks. You'll only ever see the giant credit card debt and you'll wonder, how did I get here? No, but that (laughs) won't even matter because it'll be made up of a whole bunch of, like if it's not categorized into eating out or entertainment, it'll never mean anything. So let's go on to number 10. And this is the last one on the list. And we kind of, we actually talked about this at the beginning, but it's read a financial book each month. So I know Mike is reading a book right now. Mike, why don't you tell us about that book? So I am reading, uh, it's called The Wealthy Renter. And uh, and who did the, who recommended that to Because that's a great um, book. I, don't, I can't remember right now. Did, huh? start, did it start with a T? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's kind of ringing a bell yeah no no Tre- trevor recommended it to me and i recommend it to everyone else what's the author trevor i honestly don't know Ale- alex avery alex avery okay and the beauty of this book i'll let you go on a bit of it but it is he is a canadian author and this is pure canadian perspective. the guy's actually from toronto so yeah he's talking about canadian problems and stuff and so what the book basically does is it doesn't bash Wait, home ownership it, it's called it's called the wealthy renter just i want to get okay. the title of wealthy renter so the book, uh, the whole idea is it, it's, it's promoting renting and it's not bashing home ownership. It's not saying home ownership is a terrible thing, it, it, but it, it wants to make you aware of the advantages of renting as well as it, it wants to, you to know of, of the extra cost or why home ownership might not be as great as people are telling you. And, and what he kind of lays out is that home ownership uh, 
everyone's winning except maybe the owner themselves and so and then trying to paint the picture as well that renting it can be a big win for the renter so uh, and and again home ownership they're not bashing it but they want you to be aware of of the the downsides and they want you to be able to see the upsides of renting and my biggest takeaway from that book is and i'm a homeowner but he says our society wants you to feel bad about renting they want you to feel uh that you're you're not you you haven't sort of succeeded but this book says you know renting's okay it's it, it's not a bad decision and i think people in our society in canada are are they they consider uh, owning a home is a rite of passage to being a. Well, adult. Trevor, this, Actually, the same goes for um, for alternative means or even transportation. When you take the bus, when you ride your bike, when you walk, that seemed as it's viewed as as less desirable than than driving a vehicle. True. Yeah, that's that's kind of a similar. What kind of inspired me to uh, to read the book was uh, was Trevor. Like I was talking to him about my my own living situation, and he was getting kind of the sense that I was talking kind of negatively about the fact that I was going to keep renting for a while. So that's why he 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 flipped the book to me and he said, "Read this," and like it really changed my mindset on it. And I I know I'm looking forward to renting for a long time into the future. And some of the highlights are is the one thing people say is. If you've rent, you you're 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 just giving your money away. You're you're once you know it's gone. You've you've got nothing for your money. There's no return, but you're getting a place to live for the rent you're paying. You know you're getting something. It's like saying I'm paid insurance and I got nothing in return for it, but you actually got peace of mind. But Trevor, so what about all the equity you built? The book asks. Well, <laughs> and so uh, we won't get too much in this book, but in this book, and I have tested this with various family members, you know, for what they bought their house for and then what they sold it for and, and that, that, you know, what's the net gain, the return on their investment. And it's around five or 6%. You know, obviously some people, you know, they bought at the rock bottom and they sold at the top. There's, there's people that have made money, but generally speaking, if you hold a house for a long time, like 20 or 30 years, you're looking at about a 5 or 6% return on your money. You can actually do that good or better in other investment tools. And this isn't an investment podcast, but I mean, an index fund will perform better than that. Now, you can't live in your index fund, but living in a house, it, it costs money. It's insurance, taxes, um, maintenance. You know, an index fund doesn't have any of those costs associated with it. And the other, <laughs> I got my soapbox here. So I want one more thing I'm going to say is, is the one of my biggest takeaway from this book is e- even if you own a house, you're still got, you still have to pay rent. You have to pay rent in the form of taxes. You have to pay rent for, in the form of utilities. Uh, and, and you have to pay rent in the form of insurance. You know, those, those are services you're renting. And if you owned a house and you didn't pay for those rental services, your house would be a useless, worthless structure. So you're never free of paying rent. I love that book. I have to read it again. It is a great book. Highly recommend it. Alex Avery, The Wealthy Renter. So, I mean, Trevor, Mike. So so back, back to this number 10. Yeah, back to number 10. Read financial, wait, wait, wait. Read financial books. So Mike read a finance, that to me is a financial book because it's all about the money. Listen right? to Mike? financial podcasts. That's a good one too, yeah. But you, Here's Simple Money Solutions is pretty and, good. <laughs> No, but Mike, you're reading a financial book. You're getting a lot of value out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, tons, tons. So I'm not saying don't read any financial books, but you know, most of the financial books are how to get out of debt or how to invest, right? Those are the the two I see the most. How to, you know, the wealthy renter is kind of different, right? Yeah, and I, that's why I enjoy it. I think it. it's the ones where, it, kind of like what this whole episode we're talking about, is it's the ones that focus on changing behaviors that affect your finances. Well, well, I want to say, if you if you want to read a financial book and you're not in debt, and you already have the investing side covered. Reading more of those books generally isn't going to make you any smarter, especially if you're out of debt. Reading books on how to get out of debt when you don't have debt is kind of useless. So I, I'm going to suggest go to behavioral books. Even if you're in debt, you should be reading behavioral books. One of the, a book I read, again, I wasn't in debt, but it was a Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And it's all about how to get out of debt. And I wasn't in debt, but I, I was kind of, a fan of Dave Ramsey and his philosophy. So I read it. And in that book, the whole book is about behavior. It's not about math. It's not about investing. It's not about how to earn more money. It is about behavior. And that is the key to personal finance. 
I mean, this has been a phenomenal episode. Do you guys have, I mean, before we wrap it up, is there any final thoughts that you kind of want to close this episode with? Yeah, for me, I want to say, don't make a New Year's resolution. Uh, They generally, they barely are sustainable. Trevor, stop swearing on the show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Watch your language. Uh, uh, That's the last time I'm going to use that that obscene, obscene word, but... But do set goals and choose another day like your birthday to set those goals and review your goals or some other, your anniversary or some other day that that means something to you rather than New Year's. Mike, what about you? Uh, So my thing goes back to the the whole thing we're kind of focused on is the behavior and the lifestyle is, is people always say um, in those like those movies and stuff, you know, uh, follow the money but I think the f- following the money will only take you so far is you got to g- dig into the like the root cause and the root cause is your behavior and your lifestyle and if you fix that like it's just it's going to be like a miracle it's g- it's going to be like magic your your, your money is going to fix itself so fix the behavior fix your lifestyle and your money will fix itself so uh, before we end the show, we do have an exciting episode coming up next week. We are doing a show on frugal life hacks. We're having a longtime listener join us for the show for a nice round table. And uh, Ron Kennedy, we're super excited to have him on. And to you, our listeners, if you have any frugal life hacks that you absolutely swear by and that you just love and that you think are a total game changer, send them our way. Head over to livelifesimple.ca. Um, there's a the contact form submission send them our way also be posting on our instagram and our facebook so you can you can comment there with your frugal life hacks and we'll uh we'll list them off all in the show and 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 get those uh into the heads of all our other listeners so um thanks again for being with us today we really appreciate having you on our first episode of 2018 um, it's been a really good show, and the the links, the the links and the names of both books that Michael and Trevor mentioned, as well as the article, will be in our show notes. So you can go check all of those out. We appreciate having you with us as we do every single week, and we will see you here next week. Until then, keep it simple. Mm-hmm.